Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. John writes and he says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Now listen to what he said. And everyone, everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is. purifies himself. What does that mean? It means to constantly engage in the struggle against sin, the flesh, the world. When I've got my hope fixed on the fact that one day he is coming. Listen to me. Hope changes everything. As a church family, we are studying verse by verse through the New Testament book of 1 Peter. And what you just saw in that short clip is where we landed the plane last Sunday. Last week, Pastor Vance did an incredible job at helping us to understand this principle. Hope changes everything. I want us to say that out loud tonight as we begin. One, two, three. Hope changes everything. And today we are going to build on that principle because as you study through the book of 1 Peter, as we continue tonight, here's what we're going to realize. There is a byproduct of hope. When we live in light of that day, It changes the way that we approach today. And as we continue through this study, we are going to see the result of living with hope in Christ's return. One of the verses that Pastor Vance just cross-referenced really connects these principles. I want to read for you again what 1 John chapter 3 says. And listen for this idea within this verse. He says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him. What hope is that? It's the hope of Christ's return purifies himself just as he is pure. This word pure is a very interesting word. Here's what it literally means. It means holiness of life. You could say it this way. Genuine hope results in a pursuit of holiness. Last Sunday, our big idea, the big word that we talked about was hope. 
today, as we look at the book of 1 Peter, the big idea, the big word that we're going to talk about is this word, holiness. Now, even as I say that, I know there is a temptation for some of us just to check out of the sermon. Because that's a really lofty, big word. But I want to encourage you to stay engaged tonight. Because I believe God has a word for us as a fellowship. Here's what John Eldridge had to say about holiness. He says, holiness is not exactly a hot item these days. In great part because we have come to associate all sorts of crushing and unattainable things with it. And then he makes this unbelievable statement. Listen to this. Yet in order... To make human beings what they are meant to be. The love of God seeks to make us whole and holy. I'm going to read that last statement again. Yet in order to make human beings what they are meant to be. The love of God seeks to make us whole and holy. As as I personally think about this reality of holiness, here's the question that, that just surfaces in my heart every time we talk about holiness. Can God really do that in me? When I think about holiness and God producing holiness through my life, the question I struggle with every single time, even preaching this sermon today, is can God really do that in me? And the doubt within that question is because I know me. But as you look at Scripture... The answer has to be yes, and here's why. Here's the freeing principle that I've come to understand, and that tonight as a fellowship, I want all of us to understand. For those of you who wrestle like I wrestle, in in understanding that God really can produce holiness in and through us, here's what I want you to hear me say. Holiness is about what God is doing in me, not about, What I am doing for God. That's freeing tonight. For a lot of us, we hear this idea of holiness and it's a weight. It's a struggle. It's it's intimidating. It's too much. But hear me tonight. Holiness is about what God is doing in us. Not about what we are doing for Him. So we're going to jump into these waters tonight and wrestle with this reality of holiness. If you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. I want to read the verse we looked at last week, verse 13. And then I want to read our primary text for tonight, verses 14, 15, and 16. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these verses on the screen for you. And we would love to invite you to read along with us as we look at the Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. 
Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, what we're going to begin to unpack tonight. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. And then Peter's going to quote some scripture that is referenced throughout the Old Testament. He says in verse 16, Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. As, as we begin to unpack these verses, I want to go ahead and give you the, the big idea up front. The life-changing reality that we're going to unpack during our time together tonight. I encourage you to write it down. And let it be something that you chew on during your time with God or in your conversation with your small group this week. Here's the big idea out of these verses. My relationship with the Father changes the way that I live. My relationship with the Father changes the way I live. He begins verse 14 with a very, very important phrase. He says this, as obedient children. As as a student of the scriptures, one of the ways that I like to get clarity as to what the Bible is saying is by thinking about what the Bible is not saying. Because quite often as you look at what scripture is not saying, it gives you greater clarity As to what scripture is saying. So I want us to think for a moment about what Peter is not saying in this opening phrase of verse 14. Peter is not saying as obedient slaves. He's not saying as obedient soldiers. And he's not saying as obedient robots. Peter opens up verse 14 by communicating that we are obedient children, meaning we have a relationship with God the Father. And that's huge for us. Here's why. Because genuine holiness is born out of a relationship with God. You see, it's the relationship that I have with God that changes the way that I live. And here's what I love about that. I love that before he gets to verses 15 and 16 and drops this holiness bomb that he first establishes in verse 14 that we are loved, accepted children of the one true God. And here's why that's important. Because genuine holiness is born out of a relationship. Here's what I've discovered in my life, and maybe you can relate But there has been a lot of my life that when I hear this idea of holiness, I process it through an unbiblical filter. For a lot of my life, I thought about this reality of holiness through lenses that did not align with what the Scripture teaches about what it means to be holy. For example, there was a season of my life where I thought that holiness is achieved By completing a list of rules, 
traditions or good works. Maybe you can relate with that. I viewed holiness as something that I was to achieve, not something that I was to enjoy. But there's a major difference. You see, holiness is born out of a relationship. It's not born out of rules. It's not born out of following tradition. It's not born out of checking a list of good works off. The filter we must process through this evening as we think about holiness is this. It's born out of a love relationship with God. So here's what I want to do very quickly. I want to test your filter. I just told you that for a lot of my life, I had the wrong filter. I was thinking about holiness through a filter that was not biblical. But let me ask you this question to check your filter. When it comes to spiritual activity, why do you do what you do? For example, why do you come to church? Why do you share your faith with other people on a regular basis? Why do you gather in a home in the middle of the week with a small group to do life together? Why do you invest financially in God's activity? Do you do that in order for God to accept you? Do you do that in order to try to impress God? Or do you do it to enjoy and grow in the relationship with God that you already have? You see, the reason that I obey God is because I love God. The reason I love God is because I know God. The reason I know God is because I spend time with God. The reason I spend time with God is because I am desperate for Him. And as you and I recognize we're desperate for Him, it will drive us to spend time with Him. And as we spend time with Him, we'll know Him. As we know Him, we will love Him. And as we love him, we'll obey him. You see, it's born out of a love relationship with him, not because we're trying to check off a list of do's and don'ts. Holiness is born out of a love relationship with God. Another broken filter that that I had, and maybe you can relate with this, I, I used to think this. There is a form of Christianity that does not require transformation. I think in our country, we have accepted a brand of Christianity in which people pray a prayer yet do not change. The only Christianity that is taught in the Bible is a Christianity in which people enter into a relationship with God and begin a process of being transformed by the grace and power of God. Here's what that means. That means that whether you've been walking with Jesus for 10 weeks and, or for 10 years, I hope that your life more reflects his life today than it did then. There's no such thing as a Christianity that does not require transformation. On a day-in and day-out basis, God's goal for us, what he desires for us, is to conform us more into the image of his Son, Jesus, God being my father, changes my identity and it changes my life. And there is no such thing as a Christianity that does not equate to being transformed by the power of God. Vance Havner said this, Normal Christianity 
has become so subnormal that normal Christianity is now viewed as abnormal. You see, there is, there is a lie from the enemy that says we can expect spiritual depth without spiritual growth. But that's impossible. The only Christianity that is found in the Scripture is a Christianity that transforms us from the inside out. Understand this principle tonight. My relationship with the Father changes the way that I live my life. It's powerful. And in the text here, there are, there are two outworkings, two, two results that, that we see in this text of a relationship with the Father. And I want to spend the rest of our time unpacking those two outworkings of our relationship with the Father. And here's the first one. Because I have a relationship with the Father, I am not being shaped by who I used to be. That's one outworking of this life-changing relationship with God. I am no longer being shaped by who I used to be. Continue reading in verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts with which, which were yours in your ignorance. In this verse, there are some really significant words and phrases. The first one that is very significant is this word, conformed. It literally means to be shaped by something. It means to pattern one's life after. Let me illustrate it. I said this to the two services this morning, and I was very, very offended after church by people not agreeing with what I'm about to tell you. I grew up as a child during a time period when the greatest athlete in the history of athletics was playing professional sports. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete in the history of athletics. And when I was a kid, that was a really, really big deal for me. I mean, I was growing up, and if Bo Jackson came out with a new pair of shoes, I was buying those shoes. If he had on a certain number on his jersey, I was wearing that number. If he came out on the front of some cereal boxes, I bought that cereal. You name it, when it came to Bo Jackson, I had it. As a young kid, I was patterning my life after him. Everything that Bo Jackson did shaped who I was as a child. That's this word, conform. It means to be shaped by something, to be conformed to something. Well, what is the Bible saying we're not to be shaped by, we're not to be conformed by? Well, look at the next phrase. He says, former lusts. We are not to pattern our life after our former lusts, meaning our previous way of life before we met Jesus. Now, there are a lot of places in the New Testament that talk about that. One of them is in Colossians chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, flip over very quickly to Colossians chapter 3. And I want to read a few verses that really clarify for us when we think about this idea of former lusts. 
What is Peter referencing? Colossians chapter 3. I want to read very quickly starting in verse 5. Listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to, listen to this, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, listen to this, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Verse 10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a new knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. That gives you a picture of these former lusts. The Bible saying, look, don't pattern your life after these former lusts. Don't let them shape who you are now. We are not being shaped by who we used to be. And the last word in verse 14 that's very powerful is this word ignorance. It's a word that means a lack of knowledge or information. It's referring to the time before our eyes were opened to the glorious gospel of Jesus. You could summarize verse 14 this way. Don't let your character be molded by the desires of your ignorant days. You see, I believe for an obedient child of God, we should not desire to be shaped by who we once were. That doesn't mean there's not struggle. That doesn't mean you don't wrestle with it. But we are not patterning our life after who we used to be. And I believe Peter brings this up in verse 14 because he knew there was going to be struggle. So I want to give you very quickly two warnings about your flesh that are really critical as we think about this principle and this specific outworking of our relationship with the Father. First of all, we all have a tendency to drift to our former passions. You see, as long as we struggle with this flesh here on earth, there's going to be this tendency when we take our eyes off of Jesus to drift back to our former passions. Well, what do I mean by passions? I'm referring to what occupies my heart and my mind. Before you knew Jesus, there were some very specific things that occupied your heart and your mind. And even though you are now born again and a lover of Jesus, when we take our eyes off Him, there is a tendency to drift back to those things that used to occupy your heart and your mind. That could be jealousy, greed, lust, anger, deception. The list goes on and on. In 1 John chapter 2, John gives us some clarity into this. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Here's the point. What my heart is fixed on now should be different because I have a relationship with God. 
But I want us to have the awareness tonight that there's going to be this tendency as long as we struggle with this flesh that what consumes our heart and our mind can drift back to what it once was if we choose to conform and pattern our life after who we once were. Now here's a second warning that I think is as important. We all have a tendency to drift to our former passions, but we also have a tendency to drift to our former patterns. You see, passions has to do with what consumes your heart and your mind. Patterns has to do with what gets your time and gets your energy. And there's a difference. As you think about patterns, before you knew Jesus, there were some things that more than likely you did that were sinful, but there were also some things that you did, that I did, that were wasteful. Maybe you're here tonight and before you knew Christ, you had a problem with stealing. That was a pattern in your life that was sinful. That now that you've been born again, you should be different. You should recognize that that is a sin against God and pursue His righteousness and His holiness instead. But, but for most of us, there's some things that happened that were patterns before we knew Christ. That maybe they weren't sinful. They were just wasteful. They were not leveraging your time and energy on earth for the sake of the kingdom of God. And I just want us to recognize tonight that Peter has, has written here in verse 14 to give us a warning. That there's going to be this struggle to fall back into the way we used to live before our eyes were opened to the glorious gospel of Jesus. And we have a tendency to drift back to our former passions and our former patterns. But because we have a relationship with God, we are no longer ruled or identified with who we used to be. Because a relationship with God changes the way that I live. But there's a second outworking in this text that is so important. The first one is this. Because I have a relationship with God, I am no longer shaped by who I used to be. It doesn't rule me anymore. I'm not slave to it anymore. God has conquered that through the power of Jesus. And it is in the past, no longer setting the pattern for my life. But here's the second outworking because of our relationship with God. I am being changed by Christ in me. I'm not being shaped by who I used to be. But I am being changed by Christ in me. You see, as an obedient child, there are some things I am not to be. But there are also some things that I am to be. Look at verse 15. He says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Peter, Peter brings up this lofty reality of the holiness of God. R.C. Sproul said this, the first and primary meaning of the term holy refers to God's transcendent majesty. His otherness. The sense in which God is different from anything in the created 
order. That's a really big concept that we could talk about for a while. But this reality that God is altogether different. He's alive. He's whole. He's holy. And here's how I want us to spend the rest of our time tonight. How does the holiness of God impact me as his child? I believe as Peter continues in these verses, in verses 15 and 16, he brings a lot of clarity as to how the holiness of God impacts me as a child of God. And it's kind of two big categories. One, it greatly impacts my identity And it also greatly impacts God's process of conforming me to the image of Jesus. And I want to bring those to light with two statements very quickly. First of all, as a Jesus follower, I am holy. This is how the holiness of God impacts our identity in Him. This is what is called positional holiness. As a Jesus follower, I am holy. Did you know that over 60 times in the New Testament, the children of God are referred to as saints? Over and over and over. And I know what you probably think. Well, pastor, I'm no saint. Well, you're right. But Christ is. And our identity, who we are, is now found in Him Not in who we used to be. And because we're in Him, we are holy. The Bible communicates over and over and over that positionally, as the children of God, we stand before our Heavenly Father as righteous, blameless, and holy. Why is that? Is that because I'm so good? Or because I've done all these things? Not at all. It's because I am in Christ. And because I am in Christ, God sees me with the holiness, the righteousness, and the goodness of Jesus Christ himself. Clyde Cranford made this statement. I thought it was very powerful. He said, only God is holy. Man has no holiness apart from what belongs to God extended to him in Christ. That is an incredible way that the otherness, the holiness of God impacts all of us as his children. As a Jesus follower, I am holy positionally before him. And when I've been in heaven for 10,000 years, I will never be any more holy than I am in this moment as I sit positionally in Christ before God. But there's a second way that the holiness of God impacts us as his children. Here's the second statement. As a Jesus follower... I am becoming holy. This is what is called practical holiness. There's positional holiness and practical holiness. Here's what that means. What is true about me positionally, I am holy. God is working out in my life practically. I am becoming holy. I wrote this in my notes. 
God has made me holy in Christ. And God desires to manifest that holiness in every detail of my life. Positionally before God, I'm holy. But as I live here on this earth, God is in a process of transforming my life to more reflect his life to the world and to experience practical holiness. Peter concludes by verse 15 with this phrase. He says, but just as the Holy One who's called you, be holy in all your behavior. That's referring to all of your actions and all of your conduct. That's pretty intimidating. So I want to I conclude our time tonight by sharing with you what it looks like to have a genuine pursuit of practical holiness. The call, the, the, the command here in these verses is that we would reflect the holiness of God in all of our behavior. Well, what in the world does that look like? So I want to share with you four indicators of a genuine pursuit of practical holiness. And then we're going to have some time to respond to God's word tonight. Here's the first indicator of a pursuit of practical holiness. Honesty before God. Honesty before God. If you want to talk about a pursuit of practical holiness, you can't talk about that without talking about honesty before God. Here's what that means. That means there's some stuff for all of us. If we want to be serious about holiness, that we got to open up the closet door and bring some stuff out into the light of God and be honest about it. Lord, my attitude is in a bad place. Lord, the way that I'm stewarding resources does not honor you. Lord, my marriage is unhealthy and not where it needs to be. Some things that maybe you and I have been putting off for a while because we just didn't want to deal with it. If we're going to have the conversation about practical holiness and a genuine pursuit of that, one of the indicators that that's real is that we are willing to be honest before God and bring some stuff into the light and bring it under the lordship of Jesus. That's one indicator. Here's a a second indicator. Sensitivity to personal sin. Another indicator that we are really pursuing practical holiness is we live with a sensitivity to personal sin. Let me ask you something. What? What attitude or behavior in your life are you broken over right now? What attitude or behavior is is God conforming right now in your life? As I studied this week, there were some things that I just really had to wrestle through. Some attitudes and behaviors that God gave me a new sensitivity to those things because he's desiring to conform them more to the image of Jesus. What is that for you? And if you have to really think about it, here's what I would say. You do not have a sensitivity to personal sin. It's another indicator that we are genuinely pursuing practical holiness. Here's a third indicator. Standards based on God's word. Standards based on God's word. Here's what I know. That you and I, are professional justifiers. 
Meaning there's nothing that in our sinful nature we would crave that we can't justify, hey, here's why this should happen. Because of that, here's what we need on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. We need moments when we are exposed to the righteous standards that are found in the Bible. And we study them, and we let them study us. And we're brought back into a right perspective of the holiness and righteousness of God. And we're not left to drift off toward our former patterns or passions. Another indicator that we're genuine about a pursuit of practical holiness is that we are exposing our heart and mind to the standards that are found within the Word of God. And then lastly, the fourth indicator, transparency with others. Transparency with others. One of the hardest things to do is to give a person permission to ask you the tough questions. But one of the best things you can do is invite someone into your life to ask you the tough questions. There's some people in my life, and there are three areas I've said, I need you to ask me about these areas on a weekly basis. Now, I'm not telling all those to you guys. I don't trust you that much. But there are some people in my life that I've invited in. I've said, hey, you have permission to get in my business as it relates to these things. And I told them what they were. Because they don't know my heart. They don't know my mind, but I do. And I know that I'm good, if I'm going to be serious about practical holiness and pursuing that, that I must be transparent when it comes to these specific areas in my life. I believe every believer who's serious about pursuing practical holiness must have someone in their life they are being transparent with. Because here's what it comes down to. Do you want to be perceived as someone who is pursuing practical holiness? Or do you actually want to be someone who's pursuing practical holiness? There's a big difference. And if you desire to be someone who is genuinely pursuing practical holiness... I believe some of the indicators that that pursuit is real are honesty, sensitivity, standards, and transparency. Because we have a relationship with the Father, it changes the way we live. And what flows out of that life-changing relationship is the reality that we are no longer being shaped by who we used to be, but we are being changed by the life of Christ in us. I'll finish with this story. When I was young, probably four, five, six years old, my dad was in a lot of the pockets that I would run in. Uh, he was a key leader at my church. Um, he was uh, really involved in school. He was one of my coaches in athletics, and he was just around my friends a lot. And I found myself quite often in conversations with my friends and they would bring up something that I thought was way beyond anything I could handle. And so what I would always do in those moments is I would talk about my dad. And I would have the conversation about, well, my dad's better than your dad. And you may not think I can do this, but you haven't met my dad. 
My dad's stronger. My dad's bigger. My dad's smarter. My dad has more money. And here's where I found myself as a young child, and I love the purity of this. Regardless of the situation that I was in, and regardless of what I was capable of, I lived with an assurance of what my father was capable of. And as we think about this reality of holiness, I'm not standing here tonight telling you that I'm holy because of me. Or that I'm holy because of what I've done or what I can figure out. I stand before you tonight declaring to be positionally holy before God. Not because of what I am capable of. But because of what my Father is capable of. You see, a relationship with God the Father changes everything about the way that we live.